What uh, what city are you in today, Brian? Uh, we are in Bend, Oregon, hmm. and it is gorgeous here. And so we t- we went for like a incredible hike yesterday. Uh, the name of the trail is called Misery Trail. Um, if that helps explain how intense it is. Uh, I mean, it wasn't miserable, but it's a tough little hike there for a minute. Uh, you know, I'm I'm big on uh, literal naming when it comes to yeah, things. Yeah. So yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's like should should we name this like gorgeous view from the top trail? And someone's like, nah, fuck it. Like that was miserable. Let's just name it that. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm gonna go hiking on uh, sheer hatred later. Do you want to join me? <laughs> Welcome to episode 367 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Lovin. And I'm Marshall Bach. Welcome back for another episode. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing great. Excited to record and then uh, get out of here and go grab dinner tonight. We're going to try some new places in town. So let's get to it. All right. We got a couple Golden Ratio supporters this week. Shout out to a new Golden Ratio supporter, Curiosity Stream. Curiosity Stream lets you learn about any topic. It's the first on-demand documentary streaming service. There's always something new to learn about. Thousands of award-winning documentaries on technology, history, nature, food, science, travel, and more. You can get an entire year of streaming for just $14.99 when you sign up at curiositystream.com slash design. Thank you, Curiosity Stream. We are also supported by Float. Float has been a lifeline for teams that are working remotely in 2020, which at this point is basically every team. Uh, With Float, you can send your team your work schedule. You can coordinate over Slack or email and just keep people in the loop on where you are with your tasks and projects, but also where you are in the world, where you're working and when you're working. So if you want your remote team to be working more effectively together, you can learn more at float.com slash design details. Thank you, Float. We also have a very important pixel this week. A uh, huge shout out to Christopher either Kos or Cuz or Kos. Hmm. Yeah, see, this is how some people spell cuz, you know, like uh-huh. a like a, uh-huh. a shortened version of because. I think it's more of a British thing to shorten it that way. Yeah, I don't know. Cos like is it just short for cosine? Maybe it's Christopher Cosine. Christopher Cosine. If I remember from trigonometry, I'm pretty sure that's uh, that's Cosine, right? Uh, <laughs> a little math nerd up in here, <laughs> making it your last name. Uh, well, Christopher Cos, if we're even close, thank you so much for supporting the show. Yeah, welcome to the fam. <laughs> All right. If you didn't know, we are a listener-supported podcast, which means that you, dear listener, uh, if you're enjoying the show... You can contribute directly to it and make it possible for us to record this every week. We're on episode 367, and, and we got a lot more episodes to go. So by supporting the show, we, you also get something in return. It's not just charity. Uh, every week, we include a special supporter-only segment of the show called The Sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. And, sidebar. And bonus land, bonus land. Bonus exactly. Land. Yeah, I'm bringing There's it back. a throwback for some people. Yeah. Um, so in the sidebar, it's basically the second half of the episode. Uh, we usually answer an extra listener question or we we talk about some other really design-specific topic or share a resource or tip or trick. And today we talked about the 
maybe resurgence of brutalism in interface design or what that even means. Mm -hmm. So if that sounds interesting and you want to hear the full episode today, as well as get access to the backlog and full episodes going forward, you can support us by going to patreon.com slash design details and support starts at just a dollar a month. So we wanted this to be as approachable and accessible as possible. So if you're enjoying the show, uh, we'd appreciate your support at patreon.com slash design details. Cool. All right, we got some follow-up? Follow-up, yeah, hit me. All right, so this first thing was a request from a listener quite a while. I can't remember who it was, sorry, but um, there was a request for transcripts of every episode, and I wanted to address it. So I think it's a good idea, but I don't have the time to do it. The, the application that I use to do my initial wave of editing is called Descript, and it automatically creates a transcript of every episode. However, it's only about like 90% accurate, and the amount of time and effort it would take me for to like go back and listen to the episode and correct the transcript would be more time than I really have in the week to ded- dedicate to this. But I was thinking maybe there's another option, Brian. Hit me. Okay, so what I could do is if we have a listener out there who wants to take on this extra responsibility and make these available for our other listeners, I would be happy to provide the transcript to you. And if you want to listen to the episode and fill that out, we would include it on the website and make it available for people because, you know, both you and I care very much about accessibility, Brian. And one of the things about a podcast is if you can't hear you don't have access to it at all, especially if they don't provide a transcript. I think this would be a good opportunity for us to expand the people who can listen to our podcast and also make it uh, easier to follow for those who might have the ability to listen, but at a given time just want to read it. So I don't know. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I think it's interesting. And I think maybe like, I don't want it to feel like a transaction. Like this is this is really just because it's the right thing to do. But obviously, like, we just don't have the time to do it. Like, this already takes so much out of you. And then we do the show mm-hmm. notes and everything. Like, maybe a, a benefit of someone or, or some people who are interested in basically proofreading this is, like, maybe we could release that to these folks on Tuesdays instead of Wednesdays. Like, yeah. you know, be the first to hear episodes. And, yeah, I can and send the, them the file when I send you the files. Yeah, yeah, and and just help us clean that up. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think this would be cool, but we would need some help. So if anyone's listening and is interested, tweet at us or, or slide into the DMs. That'd be cool. <laughs> cool. Uh, we had a DM on Twitter asking for us to clarify. If in the last few episodes, we've mentioned the phrase backstack a lot. Because mm. uh, we were talking about like navigation patterns in settings, and you kept talking about the back stack and like long pressing on back to open the back stack. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe we should just clarify what that is. Yeah, so it's the push pop thing. It's the so you've you've tapped on a, a link in a parent and been taken to a child page that creates a back stack. So that there's a stack of things behind you that you go back to. Well, I, I think it's worth also clarifying like this term stack also is technical in nature. Like navigation mm. on mobile devices, certainly iOS. I'm actually not sure about Android. As you navigate through pages, it's actually creating a stack. Uh, which is carried forward by the metaphor, you know, like when you tap something, it slides in from the right uh, mm-hmm. higher in the Z index, like creating this perception of stacks of views. But mm-hmm. technically, there's also like a stack of hierarchy. And so when you talk about pushing and popping, it's like adding and removing things from that stack. So yeah, yeah. back stack would be the totality of your navigation, sort of the layers so far to get to where you are. Yeah, yeah. Push is when a view comes in 
and pop as one of you leaves. Yeah. There's also present, which is when a view comes up from the bottom, which is like a modal. Oh, yeah. Present modal. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. That's the back stack. Uh, we have a tweet from Monica Howe, a.k.a. Muffmaster Flash. Hey. Still a great Twitter username. Monica says, after last week's episode, oh, no, am I not allowed to like lobster the, the typeface, the font? Am I an obvious noob for using it? Marshall. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I didn't mean to throw shade on lobster. This, it's it's uh it's one of those fonts yeah. that just got used an awful lot. Maybe back in the day. I, oh, I, I like the lobster. typeface. Oh yeah. I like, I like it. Like uh-huh. I think it's a really well made face. It's just like you, you see it so much. You know. Everyone liked it, and it was also it was on Google Fonts, and it was one of the like few really compelling non-standard looking fonts on Google Fonts. Yeah. It, it was so good. That was its downfall. Yeah. 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 So it became very popular very fast on a in a surface like google fonts where a lot of people are looking at it as the source of free things so yeah it mm-hmm. just got overused yeah no you're not wrong to like it we like it too it just got overused yeah. okay last bit of follow-up here uh, okay marshall so mm-hmm. we're still in in beta land for big sur which i think yeah. is pretty normal i think the betas kind of stick around longer for mac os than they do for ios and ipad os at this point but they fixed something for us so when the beta first dropped and we talked about Big Sur, one of the things that we lamented was the QuickTime player icon. Yeah. And the most recent beta has seen a refresh of the icon. I'm curious what you think. Yeah, I, I sent you a the image of the guy feeling his cheeks. Touching his Joyously face. Yeah. touching yeah, his yeah. face. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> feeling his cheeks. <laughs> Stroking his sweet cheek. But he's like a outlined, you know the meme. He's like an outline. Yeah, it's a drawing. it's a line drawing of a guy who maybe I think he's just shaved and yeah, he's stroking his face because he's got such a smooth shave. It feels so it good. Feels right? so good, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. They basically so it used to have a blue background, now it's a a black to dark gray vertical gradient. And then mm-hmm. the the Q of the QuickTime switched from like a black metal to a, a silver metal. Mm-hmm. But it still uh, has they, that uh, signature blue glow inside the in, circle. Internally, yeah. And it's a little brighter than it was uh, before. So yeah. yep. I think it looks good. Feels better in the dock. Feels um, more like QuickTime, yeah. Yeah. We, we use it heavily for this show. So yeah, we, we, uh, see we have to look week. at it a lot. <laughs> I recognize most people probably don't open QuickTime. Yeah, never open QuickTime. So <laughs> yeah, we have to use pet, pet peeves. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's all. Let's get into uh, the main topic this week. This week, our question comes from M. Lamond on GitHub, who asks collaboration or individual solutioning? This question is almost a year old, so our apologies. But yeah. M. Lamont says, do you prefer to brainstorm solutions with peers or come up with solutions on your own? Does your work environment encourage one over the other? That's a great question. This is a really interesting question, especially yeah. now that we're all remote. So yep. how does one solution, Marshall? <laughs> is that a word? <laughs> Solutioning? It is not a word. I got a red squiggly under it when I put it in notes, but uh, I like the word. Okay, so... Um, do you prefer to brainstorm solutions with peers or come up with solutions on your own? I prefer to come up with solutions on my own and then show them to people and and give them full license to tell me I'm an idiot. You know, I, I always preface with like, I could be really stupid and I designed this on my own. Maybe I'm crazy and, and this is late at night. Tell me I'm dumb. That's fine. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. But I also like collaborative, right? Like, I don't know. I, 
you know, there's always the problem of too many cooks, but yeah, a group brainstorm is also fun too. I just, when I do the work, I, I tend to like to be on my own to do it and then bring it back to the group. Okay. I think for me, I learned a long time ago. I don't think I'm that original. I think I'm a really good remixer or like a really good, I think I'd be bad at improv, but I'm good at like the improv style collaboration with somebody else where if we can get that ball rolling, I I really do well of like extending and refining and adjusting and like mm-hmm. taking existing ideas and branching them off into new ideas. But like with another person who is equally as excited about doing that, hmm. I struggle to come up with like sit in a room and stare at a piece of paper and just like come up with something novel and, and interesting and, and entirely useful. Like, you know, every now and again, that kind of stuff happens. But like in general, I find that I just work much better with people. And so I prefer the collaborative brainstorms. But the the thing for me is like a collaborative brainstorm, it leaves the group feeling excited in the moment. And I find that that excitement goes away very, very quickly, like literally minutes after the brainstorm. Hmm. And that's actually where I like working a lot is like, okay, we had the brainstorm. Here's a list of ideas. Like, now I can sort of apply my lens to the things that I like from that brainstorm and go really deep on them. So, okay, here's like a couple ideas that we came up with together as a group. I'm going to pick one and and just really try to figure out the specifics of it, figure out where it breaks or remix it a little bit in my mind. So I don't know, I guess both. (laughs) Is that cheating? Yeah, I guess now that you're talking through it, I I think I'm probably in the same boat as you. Like as far as the brainstorming goes, yeah, I'm very bad at doing that on my own. I I always have to lean on existing research or other people's ideas. I I think I have the same thing as you. I always describe it as clay, right? Like I'm not good at creating clay, but I'm really good at molding clay. Mm -hmm. Um, So if somebody puts, you know, puts a, a vaguely shaped hunk of clay on the table in front of me, I can mold that and make it really nice, precise and like really detailed. But coming up with that clay to begin with, I'm not very good at. So yeah, I think maybe I should uh, revise my answer. Be like, yeah, it's just the, the when I go to figure out all those details and put in all the extra work, I tend to do that on my own because I can just get real heads down and and then bring it back. Okay, so then let's address the second half of this question. Does your work environment encourage one over the other? And I think this is interesting oh, yeah. because... Uh, we're all working from home. I think there is like a very real isolation or sense of isolation for a lot of people. And yep. the energy required to do a collaborative brainstorming is so much higher these days. How is that going for you? Um, so I think we have a brainstorm coming up on next week or the week after. And I, so I haven't done one. I haven't participated in any sort of like sprint like this before remotely. It'll be interesting. I'm curious how it'll be done. But my my work environment definitely does encourage collaborative brainstorms. We have a dedicated room that you can book to get a bunch of people in there. You can fit like 40, 50 people in there, big presentation screens and everything. So it's perfect for that type of activity. And I've always found that brainstorms go much better if the people running the sprint have done some work ahead of time, right? Figured out. Oh, yes. Yeah. Figured out where the question is, right? Like, what are we actually trying to answer here? And here are like four major directions that we want to go down, vague directions, but it's like, you know, let's scope this initially. And here's some existing research to help you understand what the problem is that we're trying to solve, right? And how users think of the problem. Yeah, I think there's pre-work in terms of, well, 
there's like a huge benefit in having a de facto leader of the brainstorm, the person that's going to move the conversation along, that's keeping track of time, taking notes, or mm-hmm. if not, not possible to do all of that, they're delegating those roles. But like this person runs the thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's incredibly helpful. And we have someone on our team at GitHub that is just so good at this. Um, oh, that's a dedicated person? No, she just volunteers for this kind of role. I think she enjoys it. doing it. And she's so good at just like really driving the conversation. And, and we end up having a really productive, like we had one on Friday that was an hour and 20 minutes. And it was just so productive. Like mm. we really got a lot done. That's awesome. Um, so having a person like that is useful. But to your point about the pre-work, I had another one. I had two last week, actually. It was a two-hour one. And it was shorter because I work with a lot of people over in Europe. So we have a lot of time zone conflicts. And so for this brainstorm, our, the lead on our team, he put together a document ahead of time, I think a week ahead of time. And it was exhaustive in links to user research, past ideas that we've thought about but didn't build. Here's every dashboard that we've ever used so far to look at data. Here's links to the, the App Store reviewers. Here's links to our customer feedback channel where we kind of keep track of all the requests and tally those up. And like, this massive, massive document of here's all the things that we've experienced and looked at and basically gave that to everybody a week ahead of time and said, this is homework. Like This is what we need to be spending time looking through so that we're all looking at the same kinds of things. And I guess the way we kind of framed it was like, these are the bumpers or the guardrails of the Mm -hmm. brainstorm, which is Mm -hmm. the ideas that we come up with should be a reflection of problems that our, our users are experiencing. And the only way we can discern those is from our user research or when they they email us or from the data that we have on hand. And that took a lot of work ahead of time. I think that was a lot of pre-work. Oh, yeah. But as a result, when you get in, you have people that enter the brainstorm having looked at data and like thought creatively on their own time. I guess you'd call that, you know, individual solutioning, but like having this fodder so that we all come in with a little bit of energy, something in the back of our mind that we can't wait to tell other people about, which of course, led to a really productive two hours so much that yeah. we like we just ended up with too much content because people just came in with a lot on their mind. And I've had brainstorms that went the opposite direction where people come in with no preparation, they're blank slate, they just left their last meeting, they've not even like switched contexts to mm-hmm. think about the problem of the brainstorm. Mm-hmm. And you basically spend the first half an hour just like trying to get people into that mindset or that that flow of a brainstorm, you know? Like there's like a, a level of energy you kind of have to exist at to have a good brainstorm and like ramping people up into that takes some time. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, I'm rambling. I think pre-work. Uh, thumbs up. Yes, do that, please. Yeah, I think... Whenever you have a group brainstorm, the the main thing you need to keep in mind is that it's very expensive. That those people's time, like if if you tally up the hourly rate of each of those people and then multiply it by the number of people and by the number of hours that your brainstorm is taking, that's a lot of fucking money. So this thing should be really ironed out and and productive, like you said. And I think another thing to to consider is at the end of it, right, is the deliverable, like not just that it happened and we had these ideas, but wrapping together all those ideas, sending out a summary email with pictures and everything. Oh, another thing you have to do is you'd have to take pictures during the brainstorm so that everybody yeah, yeah. knows that they were there and then you can put that in the email. Um, so it, it always looks cool when people are drawing on whiteboards and shit, right? So, um, 
but yeah, that, that deliverable at the end of like, here's what we decided, here's the different ideas, and then getting those into roadmaps so that they don't just die at the end of the brainstorm. You know, I'm going to look up, I, I can share a link to the name of the tool that we use because obviously, yeah, like taking pictures of all this stuff and having the whiteboard probably isn't an option for most people these days. So we have yeah. to find digital tools. And there's a few that have cropped up specifically aiming to solve this for remote teams. We used a tool called Mural, uh, M-U-R-A-L.co. Okay, and I think it can help. So maybe that's worth checking out. We used it for for one this last week, and it worked well. So I guess you take screenshots of this. It's like a whiteboard, basically. Cool. Well, hopefully that answered your question, M. Yeah, thank you, M. All right, Marshall, let's do some cool things, Ryan. I'll go first, first this time. Yeah. Okay. All right. So my cool thing this week is a Mac utility called Better Touch Tool. Have you used this before, Brian? No, and I'm googling it now. It's kind of in the realm of Keyboard Maestro, which I've mentioned on the show before, is one of my kind of go-to background plugin things that just makes me more productive. Okay. This is one of those. So I've been using, you know, working from home, I have the extended Bluetooth Magic Keyboard, and I got the, the Magic Trackpad as well, uh, so that my wrist doesn't blow up. <laughs> um, and one of the things I've run into is like the default gestures that are available for a trackpad aren't everything that I would want, right? So I want to three finger click to do a middle click because I don't have a mouse, right? So I need some way to do a middle click so I can close tabs easily. And there's no way to tell Mac how to do that uh, unless you have a third party extension like this. So yeah, a better touch tool. It is so extensible, Brian. It does everything from simply changing how your trackpad or your mouse or, or keyboard work to full on macros and you know app specific shortcuts and everything. It's really robust, and it, you know you kind of build these these actions really easily through the interface. It's like it's really straightforward, but like you can do anything. What do you think? This looks interesting. So it's made by one person. Yeah, most of these cool little plugins are made by one person. I found very interesting, like Yoink or Keyboard Maestro, or yeah, it's just like a small. Th- some some person had a problem, they solved it for themselves, and then made it available to everybody else. And I'll happily pay you money for it. I love it. And it looks like it is $8.50. Worth every penny. Or $20 for a lifetime license. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think I paid for the lifetime. Um, can I be an asshole a little bit? I would love sure. to see like a slightly better marketing page for this. It's taking me quite a while to figure out exactly what it does. <laughs> okay. But your your recommendation is is doing a lot of work here. So, cool. Uh, at the same time, I'm sure I'm only using like 2% of what it can actually yeah, do. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I, I just want to middle click, man. That's all I want to do. <laughs> that was the one thing. Um, basically. Hilarious. Okay, cool. We'll have a link in the show notes. You can just Google Better Touch Tool, but it's at a non-intuitive URL. So yeah, Cool. Uh, my cool thing this week is a television show. This week I get the cool television show plug. Hey, commercial. here we go. Some of you this past week may have noticed other folks in the design Twitter community tweeting about a show called Ted Lasso. Marshall, have you seen this? No, but I've heard it referred to, I forget exactly what I was watching, but the the person was referring to Ted Lasso and I was like, I've never heard of that. What is that? And then it left my mind until you just mentioned it. (laughs) Okay, okay. All right, here's here's my journey with Ted Lasso. I have Apple TV Plus, which is what it's on, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they had like a big marketing push for it. So it took over the the home screen of Apple TV, and you have this big blue banner with this dorky looking version of Jason Sudeikis and uh, some soccer players. And mm. my immediate impression is like, 
I don't give a shit about soccer. It looks like kind of goofy. I watched the trailer, even the trailer. I was like, I don't know. It just felt a little off or just not, not for me. I'm not really sure exactly how I, I felt, yeah. but I, I know that I, I intentionally kind of just didn't opt into watching that. Anyways, I was swayed. I am, I'm just a sheep on Twitter because some people started talking and tweeting things like, if you watch Ted Lasso, you're a better person or like, Ted Lasso is the best thing to happen to 2020. And I'm like, whoa, those are like powerful phrases for a TV show to to get. And two nights ago, I started watching Ted Lasso with my partner. Mm -hmm. And we finished all 10 episodes by last night. And here is, I won't give any spoilers. Um, I will say, don't let the cover art distract you if you're not a, a football, European football fan, if you're not a sports fan, like any of those things. It's a big part of it, but it's not the part of it that's like interesting. But I guess what I would say is I would echo those tweets and those endorsements, which is really that this television show warmed me up in a way that a television show hasn't warmed me up in a long time. Like fuzzy, good feelings. Warm fuzzies. I'm optimistic for humanity kind of vibes. All right. Uh, Which, as you know, Marshall, uh, given your cool things endorsement from last week, Raised by Wolves, that is like not the norm for television right now. (laughs) Uh, The norm for television and and movies right now is apocalyptic and war and zombies and disease and destruction. And Mm -hmm. this is a bright ray of sunshine in the midst of all of that. So if you want a break from doom and gloom, yeah. I highly recommend Ted Lasso. The episodes are 30 minutes, so it's like really approachable to get into. Okay. This is like five yeah. hours. Five hours of content. I can do yeah, that. Yeah, five hours. Knock that out in two nights like us. Uh, <laughs> we enjoyed it. I, I'm looking forward to season two. Man, I, I kind of wish I could just like restart it blank because it was wow. a very pleasant change of pace from what's happening in the world. That's yeah. the best endorsement anyone can give is like, ah, I just wish I could start over and watch it <laughs> afresh for the first time. I feel that way about Lost, right? I wish I could just start over and watch it the first time again. Oh, man. Appreciate yeah. it without knowing everything. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, cool thing, Brian. Cool things. We're looking for a new show, so I'll have to add this to the list. Yeah, maybe now it's time for me to get some doom and gloom. I'll watch something a little darker next. Well, our, our current show that we're watching is Criminal Minds. So speaking of doom and gloom, <laughs> um, there's plenty of it on there. It's all murder and zero killers and shit yeah i could also just open the new york times true same same <laughs> same same, same. all yeah. right this, let's get out of here i don't want to talk about okay. that anymore this has been episode 367 of the design details podcast i hope you enjoyed it let us know what you thought of course we're on twitter at design details fm if you want to support the show if you've been enjoying the episodes and want to get access to full episodes uh, that's with the bonus supporter-only segment called the Sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. You can do that by going to patreon.com slash design details. Supporters get access to that bonus segment in every episode. And when you support us today, starting at just a dollar a month, you'll get access to our whole backlog. And of course, full episodes going forward. So that's patreon.com slash design details. Thank you to everyone who's supporting the show so far. Uh, several hundred at this point, which is so, so cool. Uh, If you need more podcasts for your ears, go to spec.fm. That's our podcast network for designers and developers just just like like you. you. Otherwise, this week, tweet at us or open issues on our GitHub. Links in the show notes for all of these, but we'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, catch you next week. Bright eyes, full hearts, can't lose, Brian.
Bright eyes, full hearts, can't lose, Brian. <laughs> that was a reference to Friday Night Lights because you mentioned Ted Lasso, and I was looking at the uh, looking at the art here, and it just yeah. reminded, reminded, um, reminded me. Uh, Blue eyes, white dragon, can't lose. <laughs> <laughs> that's from uh, that's brother, a Magic the Gathering right? reference. Am I right? No, that's Yu Gi Oh, dude. <laughs> oh, Yu Gi Oh, Yu Gi Oh. Same difference. 